listening to the Primary Medicine Podcast with Kevin and Dimitri, bringing you the best in primary care CME that you can use in your everyday practice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Primary Medicine Podcast. Uh, my name is Dr. Dimitri. We're number 61, and we have Dr. Prabani coming back again. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I am snowed in. It's, it's, it's April in in Ottawa, and there's snow outside. Uh, I'm just hoping that by August it will be gone. But then I read that back in the 19th century, there was one year where the snow was there all the time. So maybe that's going to happen. I don't know. I'm getting ready for the worst here. Uh, <laughs> what about it you? Is, it is Ottawa in uh, April. You can't really expect the weather to be nice by now. I think all the geese that were coming uh, are really regretting it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today we're actually going to talk about an interesting topic, which my inspiration was one of my patients. I did their cholesterol as a routine screen. It was a 40-year-old man. And his LDL came, came back with an 8. And I was like, I've never seen this before. Then I started looking into it. And there's something called familial hypercholesterolemia. And I, th- I want to talk about it today with you, Wahid. So can you tell me a bit about this condition? I have yet to find somebody in my practice, but I probably haven't looked that uh, hard. To think about it, I have seen people with cholesterol deposits on their skin that make it so that uh, they should be at least screened for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but familial hypercholesterolemia, Cholesterolemia is a genetic disorder. It's autosomal dominant. And basically, there's an interruption in the genes coding for the LDL receptor or the apolipoprotein B or the PCSK9 receptors, which uh, make it so that LDL is not cleared from the blood as readily as people who don't have that gene mutation. It's, it's actually an autosomal dominant. And in that case, you, as with any autosomal dominant condition, you have your homozygotes and you have your heterozygotes. And the homozygotes, LDL is actually stays unclear, like it stays in the blood. They're, they don't have a way to take it out of the blood because of the issue with the receptor and the other proteins you talked about. And their levels of LDLs can be up to 13 or more. Well, thankfully, I've never seen that. The hetero ones, those are most more common, and mine was a hetero because usually the levels were between 5 to 13. I mean, well, he, what was the highest LDL you've seen in your practice? I think the highest I've, ever, I've seen in my practice is probably about 5, mm-hmm. but but it, it's a LDL calculated. Uh, right, right. Right. So it, it does seem to fluctuate. I mean, the highest total cholesterol I've seen in my practice is 7. And, and currently, I'm curious, who are you screening uh, for, for cholesterol? What, are you doing the 40 years old? Are you doing uh, people with other risk factors? How do you s- screen for cholesterol in your practice currently? Yeah, so I, I do 40. Mind you, I um, have an older population, so my average age is above 65. So mm. I do screen an, more than half my population. And then, of course, anyone who has risks, anyone who has either cardiovascular risks and uh, sugar issues or familial uh, issues with cardiovascular risk. And I've actually recently started screening people in their 30s who come in with chest pain or shortness of breath or any kind of uh, could be cardiovascular event, but unlikely I still screen on them. Would you, let's say that somebody comes in and one of, either their mom or their dad had a heart attack when they were thir- like 40, 
would you screen them earlier? Like, would you screen them 10 years earlier? What, what's Because that's what I've been doing. If I have somebody who has a, a relative with a heart attack relatively young, I, I screen them 10 years before the heart attack. But is that something you're doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, of course, I I don't have any science to back me up on this one. Me neither. If it was good for the can- <laughs> cancer risks, then yeah. it's got to be good for the cardiovascular risk. <laughs> that's what I've been doing. There's actually no guideline, unfortunately, on, on when you should screen. But uh, actually, we'll talk a bit about it here because there is a guideline for it. For, I'll call it FH from now on. We'll talk that about about it in a sec. And again, just to go back to DLDL, I guess the, always the question is, why do we care? Why do we care if DLDL is high? Well, it can kill you. Well, not directly, <laughs> but it, uh, it deposits in your arteries and then eventually causes some sort of cardiovascular or um, uh, cerebrovascular event, right? And that, that's why we care. Yeah. It's going to eventually collect and kill you. Yeah, this, uh, that's sort of what we're thinking DLDL does. Is It's supposed to be it's what we call it the bad protein. When I do uh, lectures uh, to, uh, you know, health lectures to government workers, I, I call it the bad protein as well because it's supposed to be the one that deposits plaque on your arteries, whereas HDL does the opposite. Uh, so that's why we care. There's there's a clear link between heart risk and LDL levels. Interestingly enough, however, if you look at the Framingham calculator, LDL is not on there. <laughs> So no, but, yeah, it's it's interesting. But that's isn't because it? it's a calculated re- yeah. result, right? So that's true. That's true. That's for the HDL and the total cholesterol, which is what Framingham goes on. But then you're presuming that the remainder is LDL, but really triglycerides and a bunch of other stuff get thrown in there as well. Right. So so it's not exact, but in a way, by looking at the total cholesterol and the HDL, you are looking at the LDL levels as well. The other thing that was a bit interesting to me is that familial hypercholesterolemia is actually relatively common. Uh, can you tell me a bit about the prevalence in Canada? Uh, yeah, this actually surprised me because, uh, like I said, I don't know if I've seen it, but um, it's saying one in 500 Canadians. And with my practice size about 1,500, I should have had three, two, three of them in my practice. So now, now I got to go back and recheck everybody. <laughs> <laughs> everybody gets a test. Yes, yeah, so everyone gets a test. Yeah, uh, but it actually gets more and more common as you are uh, in various subgroups. subgroups. So, yeah. of course, the Ashkenazi Jews—they have one of the highest prevalence of one in about sixty-seven. But Lebanese are about one in eighty-five, and French Canadians are one in two hundred and seventy. So, I'm sorry if you're from Quebec, but uh, you have a higher chance of having this uh, autosomal dominant disease. Yeah, yeah, and that, and I wonder if that's why I uh, I end up having two in my practice. Although interesting, one of them is is not French Canadian. The other one is, um, but but yeah, it's 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 common. Thankfully, the homozygotes, which are get in really bad trouble, uh, they're very uncommon. It's one in a million. Yeah. Probably none of us will ever see this. Uh, no, and actually, it you would think it's one of those things that it probably kill you quick, right? Because if you're getting LDLs over 13, when are you going to have your heart attack? Probably at a younger age. Yeah, they, they might die before you actually catch them. Um, yeah. And, and actually, that leads me to my next question and my next point. So what happens to people who are undiagnosed that have familial hypercholesterolemia? And you sort of said it, they, they get early heart attacks, early strokes. Yeah. 
So basically, before the age of 50, which is when, of course, everything falls apart, right? <laughs> the screening risks and, and then right, uh, right. cardiovascular yeah. risks at 50. But if you're dying before 50, that means that, I don't know, we're missing something or you have something that others don't. Yeah, so, so it's a good point. Like These people may get their heart attack when they're 30, like 20 years earlier than than what when people usually get heart attacks around age 50, 55, so on and so forth. Uh, and really, if, if you look at the stats, it's estimated that the cardiovascular risk increases by up to 44% once they turn 50, just yeah. because of, of, being, of having familial hypercholesterolemia. Um, and as you mentioned, the homozygotes, and you said that yourself, perhaps we don't see them that often because they can get heart attacks when they're a child. Uh, when they're 13 or 14 or 15, so on and so forth, uh, which is really scary. Yeah, I wonder if the SIDS people have figured this out. Yeah, yeah, I wonder, eh? I, I, there's not enough, there's not a lot about about this in no. childhood, but that's a good, that's a good point. I, I wonder if, if it's, hmm, I have to look into that. If there's yeah. any studies on that, that's a good question, Wahid. So, so again, we, we come back to the importance of screening for this. And as we both, well, he, and I said, what we do is we screen everybody over 40. That's a new recommendation. Remember back in the day, it used to be that we would screen women in, in their 50s? And now it's everyone in their 40s. Yeah, yeah so they changed that. And it, it just makes sense, because right? uh, especially with atypical angina and uh, chest pains that women get, mm-hmm. uh, this, the studies historically may not have caught there as well as their risk uh, yeah as as we know now right yeah and then the framingham again was mostly done in in a male population if i if i remember correctly so tends to underestimate the risk so yeah the new screening age is 40 Um, so that that's generic now if if you have if you have somebody who has familial hypercholesterolemia when should you screen their kids early like 10 11 years old yeah Uh, yeah if they're gonna have a heart attack in childhood you need to find it quick yeah so it's pretty early i I thought it'd be in their 20s or 30s but if you look at the the suggestions it's 11 10 or 11 or sooner you should also screen all relatives of the patient remember it's an autosomal dominant disease Mm -hmm. so most of them will have it, but fortunately, yeah. right? That, yeah. That's the way it works. And if, if any patient has premature cardiovascular disease, and the definition of that for me would be before the age of 55 in men, um, and in women, I guess, before the age 60, would that, would that be correct? Then you screen again. Now, realize that the diagnosis is not as simple as having a high LDL. There's actually a, a score. Of course, there's a score. There's a score for everything nowadays. Yeah. It's called. Which actually, yeah, go ahead. It, it, which I uh, thought was a little bit weird because if, if it's an autosomal dominant gene, you would think that you can test for the gene. But apparently, there's people with this disease who don't have the variant of the gene. Then right. you have to wonder then is it an autosomal dominant gene mutation or not? <laughs> right, yeah, you're right. Because it's. Uh, yeah, it's uh, why do you need a score if you can just send them to get tested? But. Yeah, there is a exactly. score. Uh, there's, I think there's two, but the one that's mostly used in Canada is called the Dutch Lipid Clinic Network Score, which looks at your LDL levels as well as you know your, your history of heart problems, your family history of heart problems, and you get a test score, and then you say, well, you're likely to have this. 
Um, you can take a look. Uh, there's a calculator. If you just look up Dutch Lipid Clinic Network score, there's a calculator online that you can find. Now, if they do have FH, how do you manage it? Well, it's aggressive LDL reduction. So right. uh, you use the highest dose of statins that you pro- possibly can do. And if you don't reduce the LDL down to the 50% or plus that is recommended, you add in the other uh, um, medications such as Izidamib or uh, fibrates or niacin. I guess the P- uh, PCSK9 inhibitors are a little new for the guidelines, but you think yeah. if, there's, if it's a gene mutation in that per- particular receptor, that those would be ideally the first-line therapies. Yeah, because of course, if they get that therapy, then the problem is fixed. I, of course, it's really expensive. Yeah, was a couple a couple of thousand so, dollars now. I I've, I was looking at the price a couple of months yeah, ago. And, it's a yeah. I think it runs somewhere between ten and twenty thousand dollars for the year. Jesus, it it works yeah. by the way. Like it, yeah. there's there's some uh, endpoint studies showing that it decreases cardiovascular disease, but uh, the statin does as well. And statins are much cheaper. We should just put statins in our drinking water at this point. I've come close to being convinced that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, so the big deal, the big thing to remember about these guys is you cannot use the Framingham risk score to, to, to assess their risk. They're high risk by definition. So as Wahid said, if they're high risk, your target is a reduction of the LDL by 50%. And you do everything you can to do that. Uh, forget about it, doing the Framingham for these people. Um, there's actually, if, if they do have FH, you can register them. There's a Canadian FH registry, uh, and there's cer- certain clinics that participate in it. And you can get help from these clinics if you need to. If you have the very lucky patient who has the homozygous mutation, they need to be referred to a lipid clinic. Do you guys have a lipid clinic where you're practicing, or where's the closest you have to set a patient for? I've never actually even heard of a lipid clinic, so I the closest <laughs> okay, we have would be Hamilton, but I, I'm assuming they would have they'd be the ones that, but or Toronto. Toronto would have it. I mean, Ottawa has has one. Gatineau does not, to my knowledge. But uh, yeah, there's lipid clinics, and they they deal with these sort these more complex cases. You have to realize. Uh, that you know is there is actually decent evidence that treating them aggressively helps. Uh, you, there was one study that looked like that if you do give them a moderate dose of statin, you can decrease the ten-year coronary risk by around 10, 60 percent from sixty to ten percent, which is a fifty percent reduction, right? Uh, so it's and pretty a, big. An absolute reduction of fifty percent, right. which is huge. Which is huge, yeah. Actually, it's yeah. an absolute, not even a relative. Relative. I should have calculated that before the podcast. <laughs> it's it's bigger than fifty, as always. What it would be a relative six hundred percent decrease. Six hundred percent. Put that on the drug. Uh, commercials yeah. in the state, six hundred percent decrease in the coronary heart disease. So it it, it does work. Uh, the question about children, however, it's a bit it's a bit harder to answer. There are studies that look at children being put on statin therapy, and they don't. The studies weren't done long enough to see if the endpoints of heart attacks or strokes were decreased. They were done long enough to see that there were DLDL was improved. So we don't know if they help. Um, but it's current best practice because it does seem to decrease the LDL. Maybe at some point, if there's enough interest, they'll do a study showing, well, does it actually help prevent heart disease? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure it would, mind you. They probably live longer, right? Uh, yeah. Um, so they'll be on statins for 50 years as opposed to 10 or 20 years that they've done the study on the adults for. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, there's not a lot of stuff coming out for this condition, but I, ultimately it's something you need to be aware. I would say that if you see anybody with an LDL of more than five, you should consider that they might have FH. If, if you see anybody with with signs of cholesterol deposits and Wahid, what are some of those signs? Because you mentioned that. But basically, they're yellow spots on people's skin. And uh, I, I find that if you're of darker complexion, you seem to exhibit them more or it's more noticeable. I think ultimately, if I were to summarize who to screen, it would be everybody gets a cholesterol screen at 40. If anybody has a relative, such as a dad or a mom, who had early heart disease, they should get screened as well. That's probably the two biggest things to think about in terms of cholesterol screening. And again, if the LDL is higher than 5, consider that they might have this condition. Um, and statins. Statins are great. You know, aspirin just got taken down as primary prevention. But statins, uh, how old are statins nowadays? I mean, they're, they're, they're quite... They're not as old as aspirin, obviously, but they're, they've been there no. for a while, yeah. Yeah, since when I, what, what year did we start school? 2006? Yeah, 2006. Yeah, they've been there since then, yeah. So they seem yeah. to be, uh, they survived aspirin. Aspirin got taken down this year, yeah. if you listen to the last podcast. So it's all about statins. What else should we put in the drinking water? Statins and... Uh, statins, maybe an SSRI. <laughs> yes, an SSRI. And, or metformin. And, and metformin. In America anyways. Actually, yeah, you know what? Statin and metformin in the, in the water. Yeah. Uh, please don't quote me on that. No. I'm going to have some politician come and find me and uh, <laughs> shut me down. Um, so, yeah, but we're joking. Just to say that in terms of cardiovascular health, so far, statins are great. Metformin is great if you have diabetes. And the newest diabetes drug, which we were just talking about before the podcast, the SLG2s, seem to be doing really, really great as well. Uh, so, Thankfully, those drugs are, are working. Um, okay, Wahid, any, anything you want to add? Uh, no, uh, I think we covered it. Now I have to go back and find those two people. <laughs> three, three people. Three, three, right, you're right. Yeah, so so yeah, just uh, have all your patients come in. Just have a, a, do a full week of FH screening. I think they'll be very happy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Wahid, thanks for coming again. And uh, hopefully this was helpful to the audience. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Bye. Take care. Take care.